All right, folks, it's our first session of 2023. It's an absolute blessing to have this platform to be able to come and speak to you guys tonight. Tonight's episode, the year of the great awakening. Interestingly enough, I wasn't able to put that as the title of my TikTok live stream. It said I used a word that's banned. I don't understand that, but hey, I'm just speaking generally. It seems like we have a little bit of a, a shift underway. 2023 set to be a massive year. And I'm deeming it the year of the Great Awakening. I do think that a lot of truth will be revealed. I think we have an incredible opportunity. But uh, some people with an agenda, some may call them our enemy, are going to be moving on us. And they're going to be doing so uh, very quickly. And I think that they have some big events planned for us uh, financially and in other current events as well. We're going to watch all of this unfold. First session of 2023. I got a lot to cover, so I'm just going to get right on into it. We're going to go rapid fire. I'm going to try to stay on topic. We'll see if we have time for some Q&A at the end of the session, but I want to get through this. I have a lot to share with you guys tonight. Massive, massive session. Massive, great awakening underway. We know what they're... So their side of the story is the great reset, their agenda, their plan, right? We understand that. And then we have this other side here that uh, feels like they're in a fight, feels like we're, we're putting up a fight now, right? Because some things are underway. Some things have flipped. And so we're going to continue to watch that unfold, but remember what we can control. Remember what's in our hands. So if you guys are looking to take advantage right now, we're growing the business development program. Our Discord group runs multiple seminars, webinars, uh, content value for you guys to understand investing, business, taking care of your families during this time. This is an incredible time that we're living through, an incredible opportunity for those of us that are prepared and willing to take action. And so I just want to say uh, you guys can get in touch with me at my website down below, zachrector.com, and you can also sign up for our Discord membership as well. Get in there with the community, family of like-minded individuals who are right there alongside you, taking massive action, and we're sharing that with each other along the way. It's an absolute blessing to see the community continue growing through a tough time. We continue to get new people bringing value, willingness to help others, and that's what it's all about. So check it on out down below, and also, I just want to say that we may be doing an interview tomorrow with Andy Shetman. Uh, hopefully, I'm pr pronouncing that right. Andy Shetman. I just got. Uh, I just found this guy. Uh, he, he's a precious metals expert. But be on the lookout. Make sure you tap that notification bell because we may be doing an interview with Andy Shetman here tomorrow at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. If not. Uh, it was just a matter of scheduling now. It looks like we're going to get Andy here on the show here shortly. That's going to be precious metals. And like I said, moving into 2023, I'm trying to get experts in other fields, other asset classes on this platform, having the most interesting conversations, debate, and let's try to actually get something done and make sure that we're taking advantage of this opportunity. Without further ado, let's get right on into it, the cryptocurrency market. Now, I'm going to talk about Songbird later on. Songbird is up about 70% on the day, up to $0.02. Cents. Something interesting is taking place with Songbird for sure. Market is back up 16,800 for our Bitcoin, 1244 for our Ethereum and 35 cents for our XRP. Let's get right on into it guys. Massive update. Make sure you guys smash that thumbs up. I appreciate all of you guys, okay? So, we have this one from XX 11 33 12 21 11. Massive massive uh platform here for this guy. Make sure you guys follow XX 11 33. Fauci resigns New Year's Eve 22. We get a new variant emerge same day. NFL player collapses, making MSM mainstream media news. 
And then we have Elon the Musk expected to release further files. I skipped some of the words there. As you can see, we got to be careful here how we maneuver into 2023 massive awakening underway. But we still have to be careful because as I'm about to show you here in this next tweet, Elon the Musk, U.S. government agency demanded suspension of 250,000 accounts, including journalists and Canadian officials. So as these files are getting released here with Twitter, and as we start to understand more, all truth is getting revealed right now, right? Elon the Musk playing his role, talking about here how the United States government demanding 250,000 accounts be suspended on Twitter. So they definitely are worried. Okay. They definitely are concerned about what is all being released, what's being talked about. It's interesting to watch how the common discord that's taking place now has shifted, right? And the events of the last two years really started to accelerate this awakening that we now speak on. Okay. Now let's continue on here. Sam Bankman Fried has arrived in court for his arraignment. We're told he will plead not guilty to all the charges against him. Yeah. So he did not plead guilty. Uh, he, he pled not guilty on all charges. But what was interesting about this video here of Sam Bankman-Fried pulling up for court is he wasn't even able to make it through the mob of the media that, that was recording this guy trying to get questions. And it just brings me back to the quote that we were told so long ago is that these people wouldn't be able to walk the streets. Because once we realized all this truth, all the crimes against humanity, everything as it gets exposed... They wouldn't be able to walk the streets. And we see Sam Bankman pulling up for recording the mob of media that's trying to get on him. But as we can see, as this gets exposed, these guys go into hiding. I mean, where is Gary Gensler, right? Shows up for softball questions from CNBC once a quarter. Like, where are these guys that are supposed to be representing us, right? They cannot walk the streets and they are scared. They're, they're hiding as they try to push forward an agenda. And it's all getting exposed in real time. I got a few tweets to share here from Digital Asset Investor. Huge shout out to the OG XRP community, DAI. God bless them. He says, everyone's starting to figure this game out. This was a bombshell exclusive. This was shared back in December, right? But it's all coming full circle here. And it's moving quickly here. Bombshell exclusive from uh, Fox News. Biden's SEC chairman, Gary Gensler, deal deleted key details of meetings with George Soros, Hillary Clinton, and Nancy Pelosi from the public version of his calendar, which is just another issue right there, guys. We're waiting months for his calendar to get released, and then he's deleting what took place. He's a public official working for us, public representative right here. Uh, and this comes as a response from Lara Logan saying, these people have targeted, uh, uh, have targeted so many for so long, they lie and smear with impunity. Finally, someone with the reach of Elon Musk is taking them on. And this is all in regards to Elon Musk calls for investigation into George Soros for controlling information. Now, now, most of the time, I don't even like to bring up some of these names, right? And, and you guys understand why we got to do that. But now, what has reached the public discord, the public conversation, it's like these platforms, these social media platforms can't stop it from coming out. And now that Elon the Musk is in control of Twitter, he's flipped that table upside down, which is the, 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 the coffee table where we're having the discussion that matters most. I'm super excited to see Twitter moving in this direction. We're going to continue to watch this. Um, is, is, you know, Elon the Musk, a saint that's on the stairway to heaven, not here to have that conversation. And I'm not making that suggestion. I'm not making that suggestion at all. 
right? But but we do see a, a paradigm shift right here. And we're talking about the public discord, the public conversation, the mainstream media getting busted and the powers that be getting exposed in real time. And this is happening so quickly. Guys who used to be just on the tech, just talking about the crypto tech now are coming around you know, to this conversation. And this is what we're, where we've been at for years, for a decade, right? The last two years that I've been making content, you know, people thought that I was just an XRP guy. And then they realized I learned, I, I understand a little bit more about crypto. Then they think I'm just the crypto kid. But then they come along and they start to understand this is a whole, uh, <clears throat> the whole situation of current events that we're breaking down on a daily basis. Cryptocurrency is just one of the opportunities. We do think it's the biggest opportunity, but we also talk about precious metals. We're also stacking our silver current, you know, our, our other suppressed assets and reserve currencies getting stacked as well. So we try to break down all of this, understanding the other assets like real estate, understanding how to start our side hustle business as well, tying it all together for you guys. This is so much more than just XRP. And as, as we're starting to see digital asset investor and the rest of this community, we're all in this together. And, and I'm going to show you guys a few tweets here from digital asset investor. And I love this guy because he's been one of the few in the community that's actually been applying pressure, not softball, not play around, not paid sponsorships. Yeah. He's got his pro coin news as the sponsor of his duck blind or whatever the story is. I love that guy. And he was the OG that got me onto XRP back in 2018, but now we fast forward to 2022, rolling into 2023, all truth being revealed. And the XRP community were on their ass, not just in regards to the corruption at the SEC in relation to the XRP Ripple versus SEC lawsuit. This goes all the way, including all of our government, all of the operations, all of the entities, all of the agenda. And we're moving fast forward. It's truly incredible to watch. And Digital Asset Investor been calling him out the whole way because he's a real one. God bless him. He says, hey, Congress, why was Gary Gensler intent on protecting investors from Coinbase Lend, but not Gemini Earn. Remember, Coinbase was trying to pay like a 4% earn fee, and they were, they were getting shut down, basically told, you know, we're not willing to do this. We don't have clarity from the SEC, and we understand that they're probably going to be moving against us. But Gemini Earn got the free pass, and now we have a whole issue that's taking place with uh, Gemini, Cameron, the Winklevoss twins, and uh, Barry Silbert digital currency group this is all getting exposed in real time and digital asset investor make sure to tag these guys in every post he's he tags cameron he tags barry silbert gary gensler warren davidson and he asks a question and this is what we do in america this is what we do with our free speech we apply a little bit of question a little bit of pressure not just softball questions for good guy gary gensler barry silbert D digital currency group which controls most of this space and the Winklevoss twins as well. Good question here. How did you guys keep the SEC from threatening to sue you over your EARN program the way they threatened Coinbase? Fair question. Fair question. And 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 this is the article that, that we got a while back right here from Reuters. The SEC plans to sue Coinbase if it lets users earn interest by lending digital assets. See, when you go to truly disrupt the existing old guard, the old world banking system, that's when they come after you. That's when good guy Gary comes at Coinbase, one of the leaders trying to work with regulators, trying to comply with all of the A AML, KYC, trying to do the proper thing, right? Definitely a centralized exchange, but trying to work with regulators. But even they weren't allowed to do a 4% staking interest program, right? They, they, they weren't allowed to do that. Same thing with Ripple, right? You, you have a truly transform, tr transformative uh, platform and currency there. That's who the SEC decides to go after, absolutely. Another one from DAI, and this is in regards to Pat Patrick O'Reilly 
some of the information that he's been dropping, which has been absolutely massive. One sec. Excuse me. Cheers, everyone. Thank you for joining me. This is the first stream here of 2023. We're going to keep it lit here tonight. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, I see someone asked in the, in the chat, are we conspiracy theorists? Yeah, you, you already know where it's at. See, they don't criticize us for being broke. They might call us a conspiracy theorist, cult. You know, the XRP army is a cult. But one thing's for sure. They'll make fun of us. Think of all that you could have done uh, over the five or ten years. You could have spent your time so much better. And they act like we're just sitting on our XRP hoping and praying, right? They, they can't say that we're, we're broke. They can't say that we're not taking action. And they can't say that we didn't take advantage of the greatest transfer of wealth in world history. If XRP, if we're 50% wrong, 90% wrong, still a life-changing opportunity. But even if we're wrong about XRP completely, let's give it to them. We're completely wrong about XRP. We're still going to take care of our families. And let's get tapped in. Get your game up for the, for the haters in the chat. And I'm not saying that that person that dropped that comment's a hater. I'm just saying this is all the comments that I'm getting every single day from these guys trying to pick me apart, this and that. And I just continue to say, let's get tapped in. Let's grow up, have an adult conversation, put your big boy pants on, and come to the real table where we're discussing how we solve the currency debt and liquidity crisis. Thank you. We'd love to have you. Another one, like I said, it's getting major out here. Digital asset investor one month later, Jay Clayton, who helped take Alibaba public, that's China, right? One of the largest IPOs ever, Alibaba, drops the Ripple lawsuit as he walks out the door. Now, this is in regards to Trump's spy chief seeks SEC scrutiny of Chinese dominance in cryptocurrency. Patrick Riley just put, dropped a bunch of information, and, in, and I'm not going to go through what all he dropped. You guys can check that out for yourselves, but he says... It, and he had actually sent me all this information, you know, about a year ago, and I kind of just sat on it. But anyways, I'll speak on that in a different video. Patrick Riley, uh, CEO of Reaper Financial. But he says, if you're here because of XRP, yes, this ties in. And he's talking about in all the corruption and everything else that he's exposing. If you're here about XRP, yes, this ties in. BRICS backed Dems are the higher power pushing the SEC to prevent XRP adoption in the United States. Gary was... HRC's CFO, right? That's the criminal campaign conspiracy. And he was an MIT professor and he was the SBF laundering connection, right? Right. And then right here, Jay Clayton, part of helping Alibaba launch the largest IPO here in the United States. Okay. And every time they tried to look into this, scrutinize the dominance of these other countries, right? We, we understand what the SEC, the three-letter agencies, how they acted. They dismissed they dismissed any of these, and then they go after American companies like Ripple. That's what they did. This is financial warfare, just like Mr. I says here. And right now, we have Coinbase removing all Binance data from SKU, recently acquired data analytics platform. This is a tit for tat right now in the cryptocurrency space. More on this here in a second. Guys, check this out. Massive. Colin Rugg shares this. Breaking, Attorney General Denise George gets terminated just days after she filed a lawsuit against J.P. Morgan Chase for aiding J.E. The elites are getting scared. Now, Twitter fact checks this. Readers added context they thought might uh, people might want to know. And this is from CNN. Virgin Islands AG Denise George, who reached a $105 million settlement with Epstein's estate, was terminated after suing J.P. Morgan Chase in connection with her probe. Her termination was allegedly due to failure to notify Governor Albert Bryan about her impending action. 
So because she didn't give the governor an impending action, a notice, apparently she was terminated for that, for not giving the governor of the Virginia, uh, Virgin Islands their notice. But this is the same attorney general who already has reached a settlement for $105 million against the estate of the crimes against humanity. Now she was going after J.P. Morgan for facilitating the operation and she gets terminated. Apparently, she didn't give fair notice. She didn't give warning that that's what she was going to do. But I want to talk. I got some here to show you guys about the elite and how they control these markets. Now, what I have here for you guys, this is a clip from my mentor, Dan Pena's most recent hardcore seminar. And God bless the man because in his older age, he just has no filter. He does not care. And in this section, he's going to talk about how the Rothschilds control the gold market and how they're looking and talking about pushing it up to 3000 per ounce. Okay, but he's going to talk about this. And as we see, you know, JP Morgan's getting busted for manipulating the gold markets. They're getting busted for some other activities and what they facilitated, right? But then in this session right here, my, my mentor, Dan Pini, he's talking about the markets, the different markets and how liquid they are and why you would take your company public in this market versus others. And then he talks uh, specifically about how the Rothschilds control the gold market. And this is what I love about Dan is that he's been at the tables. I always say he's been at the tables. He did deals with the Vatican Bank. Right. So this guy's been to the very, very top. All, lo uh, all roads lead back to Rome. This guy went to Rome. This guy did deals with the Vatican Bank back when he was, was building his uh, energy oil conglomerates back in the 80s, okay? And so this guy's been to the very tippy top. He's been at the tables. He's been at the discussions. He knows what he's talking about, and he's completely tapped in. So this is why I listen to everything that Dan puts out on top of loving his business programs, his methodologies, and, and I just love the man himself. Uh, and so... This was his most recent hardcore seminar in uh, December. And so I'm going to play you guys this clip. It's fascinating. He's talking about Rothschilds controlling gold. Check this one out. This may be a little bit quiet. too. You may have to turn this up on the volume. The market has run, been run extremely efficiently. Another uh, example of that, Rothschild has been setting the, the uh, market for gold for uh, two or three hundred years. And uh, there are some little other markets, but the only real market is what the guy comes in and says, writes on a chalkboard still, this is how much is it an ounce, okay? Um, and they, they control, uh, and they can either, you know, uh, right now they're talking about $3,000 an ounce, just this morning or last night. Whether that happens or not, it's going to be because Rothschild says so. Rothschild says so. And, of course, I... I he says whether or not that's going to be because the Rothschild said so, 3000 per ounce. He said that's what they were talking about the other day, right? I might have mentioned the first day. You go to the Rothschild Investment Bank, everybody thinks that they're Rothschild. You know, they all walk with their nose. I used to tease.
Oh, sorry. Once again, let me mic check you guys real quick. So the point being that Dan is bringing up the fact that these elite families like the Rothschilds here have controlled these markets. This old guard has controlled these markets going back hundreds of years. So once again, he says $3,000 per ounce is what they were talking about the other day. But don't get it twisted, guys. In the meantime, we could see downside. We could see, I'm going to talk about XRP price action, how we could see a little bit more to the downside before we explode. But these things are ready to go. And the talk in the backdoor rooms is 3000 per ounce. And that's what, according to Dan, right? We've heard conversations from other guys, uh, big, big precious metals guys, that we could expect even more. But I think that Dan's speaking relatively short-term, $3,000 per ounce, but only if that family says so. And he says that they still do it by some old guy doing it up on the chalkboard. Now, now Dan tends to exaggerate sometimes, but you guys get the point, right? They have controlled this market and the central banks, while they're telling us not to look at gold, right? Uh, gold's just this old thing kind of fading away, no use case, no utility. The central banks are buying a, a record amount of gold. Right, so a record amount of gold, we understand, he says, Rothschild's banking uh, controls the gold price and that we could see an upside to 3000 per ounce, according to Dan. So very interesting. Now, this, th this is a big part of why I've recently just added my affiliate down below for Precious Metals that will help you roll over your 401k retirement account to Precious Metals is because we just see a tremendous opportunity for gold, precious metals, and other commodities to really break out as we as we see the United States dollar die out, the fiat system die, and they ramp back up inflation and continue to destroy, destroy the value of the dollar. And while they're raising interest rates too, you're seeing what that's doing to the stock market. So it's not only are you losing value on your dollar, your 401k in the traditional stock market and in the bond market, Bond market having its worst year in history, stock market one of the worst years ever, right? S&P 500, it just getting absolutely smacked. So this is why I thought it was so important to add my partner down below, uh, affiliate for Precious Metals, who will help you roll over your retirement account to Precious Metals, and they also will ship you a, a large shipment directly to your house. Their minimum is $5,000 uh, United States dollars to invest in Precious Metals. So if you're looking, you got a big bag to invest that partner down below will take you there, Precious Metals. Get in touch with them and see if your retirement account can get rolled on over to Precious Metals if that's something that you are considering. I thought it was fascinating nonetheless. Just just Dan talking once again. And like I said, lately in his most recent in the most recent years that I've been watching him, he continues to drop comments like that. He has no filter. And in the session that he just did, I'm 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 not affiliated with Dan in any way. But I just I want to encourage you guys, if you are looking someone who's done it at a massive level for 50 years, one of the best business guys uh, I've I've come across, I highly recommend you check out his most recent hardcore seminar because what they're doing in, in the breakout groups that I just showed you, he shows these breakout groups where they're actually going through deals. And I mean, they 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 don't show you all the, you know, um, the names, the numbers and all of the details, but they give you quite a lot, like like enough that you can understand how they're analyzing deals. So I highly recommend that. 
And as I said, I've been adding to my business development program uh, within my Discord group, and I continue to work on that because I think it's so important here. We uh, we just talked about precious metals, but we got to understand business right now, how we get our money up, and then we got our precious metals, we got our cryptocurrency. And as I've been telling you guys, massive, massive session coming up on real estate again here shortly because the opportunities are going to be just fantastic as we roll on in to the bear market for real estate continues into this year as well. Massive, massive opportunity. Now, let's continue on here. We got this one here from Crypto Whale. Breaking DeFi protocol sushi to shut down lending product. We're getting into our cryptocurrency news right now, guys. The DEX holds over $390 million in lock tokens as of Tuesday. And this is DeFi protocol sushi. We're starting to see these go bust. We warned about this at the beginning of 2022. Liquidity is drying up. These DeFi protocols, you better take your money and run. And you better make sure that you're not infringing on Reggie Middleton's patent. One of the best interviews I think that I did in 2022 was my Reggie Middleton interview. Make sure you guys go check that out. This guy has the DeFi patent, and he has now sued Coinbase. I forget who else he's he's gone after, but he's basically asserting that most of the space, most of the DeFi in the space is infringing upon his patent. But I wanted to share this, this post right here because I thought it was fascinating. He said, for those who've heard me pontificate how I invented DeFi, which was used by Bancor, forked by Uniswap, then copied by SushiSwap, which we just covered, they're shutting down their DeFi protocol, uh, and the DEX holds $390 million in locked tokens as of Tuesday, but they're shutting down the lending product, right? Then forked to PancakeSwap, ultimately adopted by Wall Street. Just know that owning foundational technology patents perpetuated value for millennia. Now, what he shares here is a story of railroads and how railroads went all the way back in the Roman Empire is where we got basically the infrastructure for roads and railways started off of the roads that were back in the Roman times all the way fast forward to the space shuttle getting launched today. And he says uh, right here, just know that owning foundational technology patents perpetuate value for millennia. Now, a millennium is 1,000 years, a period of 1,000 years. And we see it. This, this story right here is very fascinating. This was shared by Dr. Jorg Storm. The U.S. standard railroad gauge distance between the rails is four feet, eight and a half inches. That's an exceedingly odd number. Why was that gauge used? Well, because that's the way they built them in England and English engineers designed the first U.S. railroads. Why did the English build them like that? Because the first rail lines were built by the same people who built the wagon tramways, and that's the gauge they used. So why did they use that gauge then? Because the people who built the tramways used the same jigs and tools that they had used for building wagons, which used the same wheel spacing. Why did the wagons have that particular odd wheel spacing? Well, if they tried to use any other spacing, the wagon wheels would break more often on some of the old long-distance roads in England. You see, that's the spacing of the wheel ruts. So who, who built those old rutted roads? Imperial Rome built the first long-distance roads in Europe, including England, for their legions. Those roads have been used ever since. And what about the ruts in the roads? Roman war chariots formed the initial ruts which everyone else had to match or run the risk of destroying their wagon wheels. So interoperability goes all the way back to Roman war chariots, guys. If you wanted to be able to use those, those same roads, you had to match or run the risk of, of destroying your wagon wheels if you didn't. Everyone else had to match the Romans. 
interoperability, going all the way back to the Roman Empire. Since the chariots were made for Imperial Rome, they were all alike in the matter of wheel spacing. Therefore, the United States Standard Railroad gauge of 4 feet 8.5 inches is derived from the original specifications for an Imperial Roman War chariot. Bureaucracies live forever. So the next time you are handed a specification procedure process and wonder what horse's ass came up with this, you may be exactly right. Imperial Rome army chariots were made just wide enough to accommodate the rear ends of two war horses. Two horses' asses. Now the twist to this story. When you see a space shuttle sitting on its launch pad, there are two big booster rockets attached to the sides of the main fuel tank. These are solid rocket boosters or SRBs. The SRBs are made by uh, Thiokol at their factory in Utah. The engineers who designed the SRBs would have preferred to make them a bit fatter, but the SRBs had to be shipped by train from the factory to the launch site. The railroad line from the factory happens to run through a tunnel in the mountains, and the SRBs had to fit through the tunnel. The tunnel is slightly wider than the railroad track, and the railroad track, as you know, is about as wide as two horses' behinds. So a major space shuttle design feature of what is arguably the world's most advanced transportation system was determined over 2,000 years ago by the width of a horse's ass. And you thought being a horse's ass was important ancient horses asses control almost everything now i thought that that was just fascinating random but it goes to show you guys that this infrastructure this technology that is built being built out right now has the potential to impact us for centuries and millennia reggie middleton and his DeFi patent absolutely massive something to watch now he's going after some of the biggest players in the space by suing coinbase for their DeFi protocol and for their operations infringing upon his patent right and I, I think it is about time that i do get reggie back on for a show he seems to be tapped in i love the session that we had and i want to see if there's any further updates uh in, in regards to what he's been working on over there but then he goes ahead and he shares this he says judge torres should have this uh in response to the sec versus ripple case now this is good guy gary gensler back at mit Explain XRP as a bridge currency, explaining the utility of XRP. Here we go. You may have to turn this up. I don't know. This might be a little bit quiet. Token XRP is a bridge currency. A, a currency called Ripple that you might hear in the banking sector. It could be a currency even like uh, Ripple has an alternative. It's just token xrp is a bridge currency so how many times does gary have to call it a, a currency here right before we determine before we end this staged sec ripple lawsuit where we're trying to figure out if it was a security or not right we understand here this guy mit tribal ledger technology you know professor knew all about the utility and specifically called xrp a currency understanding the unique use case as well Right. Fast forward, though, 2023, still in the middle of this staged SEC versus Ripple lawsuit. Coinbase returns the pre-IPO valuation as market cap drops below $8 billion. Back to reality for this economy, for this stock market, for the cryptocurrency space. We've been talking about this. We've been warning about this. A lot of this has been built off of hype and cheap debt. Coinbase and, and a lot of these valuations, right? Some of these companies aren't even turning a profit. They have no earnings, Right. Coinbase returns the pre-IPO valuation as market cap drops back below $8 billion. Massive. Now, this shift's been underway for a while, but uh, this is a, a, a red alert right here, guys. This is something to, to take warning of. This is a snapshot of CoinMarketCap, March 9, 2018. 
This is from March 9th, 2018. The 2018 total market cap was 400 billion. In 2018, the total USDT Tether market cap was 2.2 billion. Now, fast forward to 2022, the total market cap of crypto is 800 billion, so it's doubled. But the 2022 total market cap of Tether and USDC combined is 100 billion. And, and, and this is bare naked crypto. He says, man, I don't know. Something is super fishy here. One eighth of the market cap is now stables. And I've been talking about how Tether just still hasn't had a legit audit, still hasn't showed its reserves. And it's something that we need to see cleaned out before this cryptocurrency space can move forward. Now, what else is falling apart? Expect Gemini to force Genesis trading in chapter 11 bankruptcy imminently. Guys, this is a liquidity crisis. You better have your funds off these exchanges unless you're uh, prepared to get them stalled up, frozen, or just lost. Be prepared, guys. The liquidity crisis is not over. Some of the biggest players in the space. This is from Andrew on Twitter. Expect Gemini to force Genesis trading in Chapter 11 bankruptcy imminently. Genesis bankruptcy will trigger the liquidation of Digital Currency Group, that's Barry Silbert, assets based on callable loans. Digital Currency Group bankruptcy quickly follows. Grayscale trust assets will be at significant risk, and this is going to spread. This is a systemic risk event spreading throughout the cryptocurrency space. Be prepared. Now, continuing on, this is major from DAI, sent to be my Matt Marley. Says every single thing that you will that will ever be on the Flare network must be tested on Songbird first before it ever touches Flare network. Songbird will actually be needed way more than Flare. Most people miss the fact that Songbird is its own chain and will never go away. It will run parallel to Flare. Many also many projects that go on Songbird may choose to stay on Songbird and not go to Flare. It's always about choice. Same thing they say about the XRP ledger. Now look at Kusama Coins website. Kusama is the canary network for Polkadot. Not much of a difference with Songbird to Flare except Songbird is way more scarce and will become much more scarce after flare distribution now i had pulled this up right at the beginning of this session songbird is actually moving here today up uh 60 right now at the time of this recording uh recovering back down slightly but at one time it was up 70 percent back up to two cents songbird something is up and i saw people commenting that trading has been halted but interesting to know here Songbird, everything that goes to Flare has to be tested on Songbird first. That's the beauty of a canary network. I do believe that this is a massive opportunity. And this is why this dang conversation in regards to the 50,000 XRP buyback is so much more than just that. We are talking about the rights of digital asset investors, not just the XRP army, not just XRP holders, but everyone including the specific case here, the specific example of Coinbase potentially being able to take our Songbird property without giving it to XRP holders. Seeing if Coinbase were to go bankrupt, who would be getting paid out? Who would be getting that Songbird? We still have not heard from Coinbase anything on the Songbird tokens getting released to us XRP holders. So this is where Jimmy Valley, this securities lawyer who knows what the hell he's talking about, brought this up to to me and the committee talking about the example of Songbird being sold off already by uh, Coinbase. And if we hadn't made our claim, if we don't make a claim, Coinbase could have legally been able to sell this off and the rights of that buyer would, would, would uh, supersede those of our rights. Now, you, be, you might be thinking, this is crazy. No, this is the law in four states Wyoming and four other states in, in America here have already passed the take-free rule, Article 12 of the UCC. 
This is the common business laws for transferring property, doing business, uh, basically just conducting any sort of business. The Uniform Commercial Code established by each individual state, but there's a commonality agreement really that, that kind of makes this work from state to state, kind of the same set of rules, uh, give or take a few different um, amendments and articles, but they're adding Article 12 to the UCC, which is a whole article, a whole amendment on digital assets. And then part of that is the take-free rule, which in this case, in the example, in the law that's already been passed in four states, if you didn't make your claim, and Coinbase say, for example, we don't know what they're doing with our, our Songbird tokens. Say they've already sold them off to other people. Say they go bankrupt. And now they're, they're, the, the debtors are going to get that. The creditors are going to get that. We would be uh, not receiving our Songbird and they would legally be able to sell off that property potentially. So this is why this conversation gets important. And a lot of people coming in who are having a, a very naive, immature way of thinking don't understand that there's so much more that's happening right now than, than just talking about XRP, some sort of buyback, treasury, whatever that, you know, wherever that conversation goes. We have to also talk about the other part, which is just our rights as digital asset investors. The reason why we're talking about it with the XRP buyback is because the SEC and other government agencies here, in what they've done, they've put a cloud on title, a cloud on title of this property, which is our XRP. Now, the conversation does go all the way to suggesting that XRP could be used to reset the currency, the debt, and solve the liquidity crisis. And I understand that there's some people that don't think that that's the case. That's fine. We're both speculating. You know, and that's that's why we're having this conversation. Songbird's going to be massive. Are we even going to get it? Do we need to be filing a UCC claim at our county courthouse, at our state courthouse? What do we got to be doing right now? That's why I want Jimmy Valley sitting on my side of the table. It's not because I think that I'm going to get a $50,000 XRP buyback. I'm not going to get that. But I do want someone on my team who understands securities law. He understands mergers and acquisitions and has helped facilitate transactions uh, valued at uh, basically $20 billion. That's a real player. I'd like to have him next to me at the table. And that's what we're doing with this conversation, guys. Massive, absolutely massive. Let's see where we're at. Uh, that one was from Digital Asset Investor. Huge shout out. Now, I wanted to share this guy. He's been kind of off the radar for a while, coming back on here recently to kind of tell us where he's been at. This was a guy that I've been following for the TA. Um, somebody wants to join me on TikTok. Maybe you can, and, and, and maybe we can join later if we have time. Mr. Level Up on Twitter is a guy that I've been following his TA. He's just not as active as he used to be back in like 2019, 2020. But nonetheless, he says, I'm bullish on XRP from a macro standpoint. There's some gaps below around this area we are at, which I'm open to getting grabbed. This doesn't negate what I'm seeing unfolding. And no, I don't hold XRP. It will be two years this April. No XRP. Now, the reason why I follow this guy is because he's real. He's unemotional about the technical analysis. And when I didn't want to believe that XRP was going back down to the 30 cent level, this was one of the few guys that was saying and, and, and pointing that out and called it. So people think that I just, you know, hope and pray that every night my XRP is going to be bought back for 50K. Absolutely not the case. I'm listening to these guys who give us the unemotional technical analysis and tell us where we're going. I combine that with my technical and fundamental analysis as well so I can figure out when we can buy dips. The data tells me from how I read it, the XRP will go above 90 cents and will go below 20 cents. 
He doesn't tell us in what order, though. You know, come on, Chris. How one acts during those moments will determine their success. So what's interesting here is we see major, major price movement volatility is on the way. Now, many people have levels down to 20 cents. That's where I see some levels of support coming in around 20 to 25 cents for sure. Okay, we did get a close wick. We wicked down below 30 cents briefly on some exchanges. Hopefully, you were able to take advantage of that opportunity. Now, I reminded my Discord group here just a couple of days ago that this event shows us once again why it's so important to set our limit orders because when we get these wicks down, we got to have our orders set on these exchanges so that our order will actually go through to buy XRP when it wicks below 30, sec uh, 30 cents for a one 15-minute candle. Right, we got to be able to take advantage of that. We got to have our limit order set. As if you guys are continuing to dollar cost average, this gets interesting though. When the technical analysis guys agree or show me similar patterns, that's what I like to see. So Dark Defender says, "Good morning, all." XRP entered 2023 with a tremendous bullish pin bar. We had a wick towards 20 cent level, which we expected. Okay, that's good. We we expected the 20 cent level. And uh, Mr. Level Up, who we just showed, he's expecting 20 cent level two. We approached it, got a nice wick. Wave three will start on or before the 31st of March, 2023, by melting faces who never expect it to happen. Wish all of you a prosperous year with XRP. How about that, folks? Let's check that out. Massive chart right there. So we're about to begin wave three. That's going to bring us back up above that 50 cent level. Okay. But be prepared. We got primary support at 33 cents and we can see a wick back down to that 20, 25 cent level. So what I'm doing right now is I'm saving some funds on the sideline uh, for what I am going to be allocating to cryptocurrency over the next few months. I do believe that cryptocurrency is going to bottom out and I am hoping to take advantage of that. Okay. Now let's get into the utility. Let's get into the utility here, folks. I got something to show you here. Now, this had already been circulating, but I wanted to show you guys and read and, and, and kind of go through the details of this partnership because I think it's absolutely massive and I kind of overlooked it. Ripple, our partnership with MFS Africa enables streamlined real-time mobile payments for customers across 35 African countries. Guys, we just got the green light in 35 countries. Discover how our payment solutions delivers fast, secure, and low-cost remittance at scale odl okay so i'm going to pull this up for you guys to take a look at this is a win for financial inclusion in africa major mobile money has long supported economic growth for business and individuals throughout africa and financial players are looking to further strengthen digital payment rails across the continent mfs africa a leading fintech with the largest mobile money footprint in africa has partnered with ripple to stream time real-time mobile payments for their customers across 35 countries Massive. There is a growing population of both individuals and in turn mobile money users throughout Africa as the region continues to develop and solidify its place within the global economy. Massive. It's imperative that capital can move as seamlessly as information moves today. Investment in efficient payment solutions throughout the region can create sustainable, consistent support while affording entire communities autonomy over their own economic future. That's what we love to see. Let's bring some opportunity to the content. Love to see it. Ripple's on-demand liquidity ODL solution, which does settle with XRP, 
I put out a video today explaining the difference between RippleNet and on-demand liquidity. So Ripple's on-demand liquidity does settle with XRP, reduces the frictions and bottlenecks associated with sending money across borders via legacy payment rails like expensive fees, slow payment settlement times, and even access to a physical bank branch. According to the UN, Africa boasts a 2.7 trillion market opportunity. I love to see that trillion dollar problems. That's where we've invested. The largest driver of business growth worldwide and innovative digital payment rails can make this a reality. While mobile money users in Africa have grown exponentially in recent years, the number of users worldwide is expected to reach 70% of the global population. These users largely reside in frontier markets in Asia Pacific and Africa markets that often struggle with liquidity sourcing, which provides ample opportunity for crypto solutions like on-demand liquidity to betray business that cannot source capital via traditional sources. Mobile money users in Africa have grown exponentially in rears, and they're about to be 70% of the global population of mobile money users are going to be in Africa. So this is absolutely massive, guys. 70% of the population that's going to be sending mobile money, we just got tapped into those markets. That's what just happened. The constraints and burdens of existing financial systems have impeded otherwise sound business and economies from development withholding millions of individuals from financial equity and innovation. But Ripple has long underscored the importance of global financial inclusion in building its global network for a world without economic borders. Now, remember, Bank of America partner with Ripple talking about how they are going to use XRP for a competitive advantage in the payments landscape once the SEC versus Ripple lawsuit is over, once they get clarity. So we are going to see these other countries, these other regions, these other partners like this one, start to use XRP for a competitive advantage in the payment landscape in the payment landscape. Right? And you guys are seeing just how big this is. This partnership, MFS Africa's mission is to make borders matter less when it comes to payment within, to and from Africa. We're delighted to advance this mission through our partnership with Ripple to enable fast, secure, and low-cost remittances at scale. The Ripple MFS Africa partnership represents a confident, important, and bold first step for our crypto strategy to leverage blockchain technologies to amplify our impact on consumers and businesses on the continent. Growth in a new economy said the CEO of MFS Africa. Yeah. Absolutely massive. MFS Africa connects more than 400 million mobile wallets across 35 African countries while operating upwards of 800 payment corridors across the continent. The entire region stands to reap the financial inclusive benefits as the partnership between MFS Africa and Ripple evolves. Absolutely massive, folks. Now, I got another clip here talking about payments, which for me, and as we show here in this this, this last article, Africa has a $2.7 trillion mobile money uh, payment flow, I guess is what that was. That's where it's been at for me. What, you know, this, this, this opportunity here that we have in crypto digital assets, what's the biggest utility? What's the biggest problem to solve? It's payments. It's not even close. And that's why I don't even look at blockchain gaming. I understand. That's cool. I don't even look at it because it pales in comparison to the problem, the value amount of payments that are flowing on a daily basis. Now, we have this one here from Brad Gollinghouse, shared by Digital Perspectives. This is a massive one. Make sure you might have to turn up your volume on this. Ultimately, as you know, uh, Ripple is really focused on how do we enable an internet of value? How do we make value move the way information moves today? And you know, that's our big kind of multi-year, 10-year view of how the world will evolve. And it's really how to dial that back and to make it tactical and real today and tomorrow. And I think if you want to enable an internet of value, you've got to connect the repositories of value. Right. And the repositories of value, as big as the Bitcoin 
value proposition is today, the banks own trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of assets. So if we want to enable an internet value, we've got to connect the banks and payment service providers and MSBs, and uh, we're excited to have made a bunch of progress on that. So, I, you know, I think one of the things that has served Ripple incredibly well is I think in contrast to some in the community that are kind of taking a very horizontal view, we're talking about literally over 100 use cases, we've been very specific about one, right. payments, particularly cross-border payments. And let's go deep in really understanding that, that product set, that need, that customer, how you sell into that customer. And so I think, you know, as I look at where we are today relative to a year ago, I think that that focus and really understanding that segment and that customer and being able to go deep and really solving that problem has served us incredibly well. And it, it will remain focused on payments. It's obviously a massive industry. Uh, the, you know, the, the problems we're solving can be measured in the trillions of dollars. That isn't to say that I don't think there's other great blockchain use cases, and right. eventually maybe Ripple will address some others, but today I kind of view it as the earliest days of Amazon, where Amazon said, hey, we're a bookseller. I mean, the, the first name of Amazon was not Amazon, it was Amazon Books. And you know, they, they built a platform to serve a need to sell books, and then they did another vertical, and another vertical, and another vertical, and then obviously productized the platform. I think the best way to build platform technologies isn't by trying to be that horizontal, because by the time you build a platform, the needs have changed and evolved. If you build it really successfully for one vertical, in this case a really big one, you can put yourself in a really good position to build it up for others as well. And, and that's the biggest vertical. That's the thing. Payments is the biggest vertical. It's the biggest use case out of all of the different utilities. Like you said, some of these projects looking at 100 different utilities, little deals that they're doing. Ripple just honed in on payments because, in my opinion, it's the biggest amount. Because he talks about cross-border payments without telling you guys that they're ready to handle and settle derivatives. So when, when we talk about payments, we're talking about settlement and that's of any asset. So as they said, you know, all the money, right, gets thrown around in the community, right? It's not that we're going to get every last dollar settling up on the XRP ledger, but they knew what they had to target. They knew how big, valued in the trillions, he, he's bringing out that word again, the trillions, but we understand the value settlement is actually valued in the quadrillions once you include derivatives, securities, debt, and all the different forms of value that's moving every single year. So much, so much bigger and massive. And this is why I've gone in primarily XRP, been my number one holding here for so long. Now, Brad, giving us a little update on where he's seeing, seeing things at right now. Today is the first day of the 118th Congress. While prior efforts at regulatory clarity for crypto in the U.S. have stalled, I am cautiously optimistic that 2023 is the year we will finally see a breakthrough, a thread on why. Says support for regulation is bipartisan and bicameral. Leaders like takes a few of them have publicly supported blockchain and recognized the need for clarity. We're not working with a blank slate. Prior bills have tried to address everything from stablecoin Excuse me. Prior bills have tried to address everything from stablecoins and centralized exchanges, uh, RFIA and DCEA, which are two of the bills that uh, you know Congress has already been considering. Clear definitions of what constitutes a digital asset security, Securities Clarity Act, Safe Harbors, Clarity for Digital Tokens Act, and more. He says no bill is perfect and there likely never will be one that satisfies everyone. But perfect shouldn't be the enemy of progress. These proposals provide more than a starting point 
starting point for debate in this new Congress, the stakes couldn't be higher. Singapore, the EU, Brazil, and Japan have all have crypto frameworks, and the UK is well ahead of the United States. But the lack of coordinated standards globally or in any uh, or any in the United States continues to push business to countries with lower regulatory bars with sometimes catastrophic results, FTX. Changing the status quo is never easy, but I believe that, uh, that the will to act exists. The building blocks for regulation have already been introduced, and we have a chance to get this right for millions of Americans who already are and will continue to be interested in crypto. The 118th Congress has a historic opportunity before it to ensure the U.S. remains an innovation leader for decades to come. We hope it's one they take. Absolutely well said. Our brother Brad Gallinghouse running the show, doing such a great job, making sure that Ripple is a righteous custodian of the XRP escrow that they maintain. And I am actually going to show you guys one, one thing here on the escrow after this clip here. I'm actually not going to play this, but I just wanted to show you guys this. This is uh, Nelly, Li Nelly Liang, Undersecretary for the Domestic Finance at the United States Treasury. And she's talking about the different recommendations. And this is the Treasury Department had to release a much anticipated report uh, required by the White House Executive Order on Digital Assets. So this was a White House Executive Order, and it basically demanded a report from the Treasury Department. So this lady, Nellie Lang, Undersecretary for the Domestic Finance of the United States Treasury, she's giving off her recommendations in this. And the whole language, I'm not going to play the whole clip because it's about five minutes long. But it's the same verbiage that you just heard from Brad Garnhouse and that you've been hearing from Ripple for years now, all about inclusiveness. And then uh, the final recommendation supports a faster, cheaper, and more transparent international payment system that associates with a cross-border system as well. So you basically need a faster, cheaper, and more transparent international payment uh, system that associates with a cross-border system that is part of the domestic system. Remember, this is the Undersecretary for Domestic Finance of the United States Treasury. How do you have a domestic system that can tap you into the international payment cross-border system as well? Well, you could use XRP. That would be one solution. Now, speaking of uh, Brad Ripple and team being righteous custodians of the escrow account, we got 1 billion XRP unlocked as every month uh, gets unlocked here. Ripple wires billions of XRP. Here's how many tokens locked back in escrow. Possible reason. So uh, this was on January 1st. Three days ago, as 2023 started, Ripple conducted its traditional programmed withdrawal of a staggering billion XRP from its uh, escrow accounts. Now, that's, this isn't staggering, right? Because this is to be expected. So people always drum this up. People always make hype out of this. But let's watch. Let's follow the money. Or in this case, let's follow the XRP. These releases of XRP started five years ago when the blockchain giant decided to support the liquidity of XRP tokens on the crypto market and began sending part of this monthly release billion to crypto exchanges, banks, and payment operators that partnered with Ripple. Okay, so there it is, right? This this uh, monthly released billion to crypto exchanges, banks, and payment operators. Remember, for the last couple of years there, Ripple's been exclusively giving this escrow to their on-demand liquidity partners, people that are using XRP for utility. Part of this billion was also likely sold by the company to cover its operational expenses. We understand they have been selling XRP and they have been uh, using that as income for Ripple. Now, here are two transactions, 400 million XRP locked back in escrow and 300 million XRP locked back in escrow. So they locked back 300 million XRP keeping 300 million for themselves. 
The unlocked billion XRP was worth approximately 352 million at the current exchange rate, which is a point that I wanted to make, guys. At the current price, the billion XRP that's getting released to them is only, you know, at XRP at 35 cents, right? It's only equal to about 350 million. But just imagine what's going to happen here. This is why this XRP, this escrow account, is such a strategic weapon and why I bring up in this conversation of the, you know, $50,000 XRP buyback about using XRP to solve our debt currency and liquidity crisis is because this escrow, this, this value unlock that we have each month. And as we, we continue to see this internet of value grow out, the utility, the value on this ledger is only going to grow, right? So if Ripple was able to cut a deal with our treasury department for some XRP, uh, that would help the United States use XRP as a strategic weapon. So that that that's me as an American just saying that's what I wish our Treasury Department would do. That has nothing with me hoping and praying that my XRP is going to get back bought back for 50K. That's not the case. I will never spend one second of my life doing that. That's not what this program is about. That's not what the discussion is about. It's understanding that XRP is ready to be a reserve currency. And it already is as liquid as a G10 currency and that liquidity is only growing. The liquidity will get uh, facilitated and allowed to expand as we get clarity, as this SEC versus Ripple lawsuit ends. It's not just going to be, you know, a few hundred, uh, few hundred million XRP going to some of these exotic corridors, you know, tr partners like Tranglo, Bitso. Uh, now we have Africa corridors fired up. Some of the most recent in Europe were the France and Sweden on-demand liquidities that got fired up, along with in Brazil there as well, largest exchange in Latin America as well, largest money, uh, mobile money platform in Africa. It's just like the largest platforms in all of these countries, all of these corridors for all these different utilities, Ripple's partnering up with them. And so what I'm interested to see here is when this case ends, um, what's going to be determined with that escrow basically the early sales of xrp were they able to get them on that for selling a security and unregistered security and what are they going to make them do with that escrow account i think that's the big what if in this case but i don't think that it's irresponsible i don't think that it's not related i i just had a little bit of a exchange today with one of the developers on the xrp ledger actually he runs a node um ripple i-t-i-n ripple n-z I've actually shared some of his tweets here on my platform because he's, you know, provided a good amount of value. And, he, you know, he's uh, just recently he told me that XRP has no inherent value and that we're all speculating on it. And he's he's one of these developer types that is attacking those of us in the community that are having this buyback conversation. Now, for those of you guys that are wondering, where does the 50,000 come from? The 50,000 comes from a hypothetical scenario. What if the SEC hadn't sued Ripple, hadn't put a cloud on title, and what if all best case scenarios for XRP played out? The Treasury did um, you know, acquire XRP, did make it the reserve currency, did uh, try to settle all of the value, all the money on the XRP ledger. That would put XRP at 50,000, that's the claim that we're making. And then this is how the legal battles work. The other side then has to prove why it's not worth 50K. So in a way, it's us saying 
which we can't prove, which we really can't know, no one can know, but that's for the other side to prove that that wouldn't play out, that that's not uh, going to happen with XRP, that they're not going to use XRP, that they're not interested in the escrow from Ripple. They have to go prove that. And then, as I mentioned, there's a whole other conversation about solving the debt, currency, and liquidity crisis. I'm an American. I, I would hope that I'm allowed to speak on that. For the, for the little developer minds that don't get why we're talking about this, don't get why we're trying to save our country, right? Because you can't just sit all day at the computer writing code and solve the country, all the country's issues, and actually get something done. That's part of it. Thank you for confirming the XRP ledger. You know, and he said XRP has no inherent value. And I said, well, why are you running a note? And he said to learn, you know, the process, this and that. And I just think, you know, to me that once again, that proves that XRP is truly decentralized because you got a guy who's claiming he thinks XRP has no inherent value, yet he's still running a node, proves decentralization. And in my mind, it proves that he thinks XRP ledger is important and there must be utility there. Otherwise, you would just be wasting your time. You would move on to another project. So no inherent value and, you know, maybe I'll just pull up his, his comments here and then I'll get into Q&A. I see we got a super chat here from Roy Versace, uh, five spot. Zach left us hanging on the Rumble live sessions. Love the content, brother. Keep it up. Come back to Rumble soon. Good, good, good point there, Roy. We will be doing some Rumble sessions. We do like having some fun over there on Rumble. But let me pull up this exchange because I just thought that it was, you know, kind of funny. Uh, this guy, I've, I've shared his tweet. I got respect for him, but. Um, let's see. Let's see if I can find this exchange. It, it was just funny, you know, it, it was just funny. Here we go. You know, and, and guys, I mean, honestly, seeing some of the people that I respected in the XRP community come at, come at us and attack us, I'm like, oh, you know, it, it, it's not that it hurts my feelings. It's just like, I want to be able to explain myself. It's not that I think that the buyback proposal is a done deal and that I'm, you know, can count on my XRP being worth 50,000. It's about trying to save our country. So I originally put out this tweet. It's not about a $50,000 buyback from the Fed for me. It's about solving the debt, currency, and liquidity crisis. I like talking about solutions to these problems. Ripple is using XRP as a strategic weapon. So should the United States Treasury. Let's get something done. And, and that wouldn't even have to be a buyback. Like, I would just love to see our Treasury Department having a pre-allocation of, of that escrow of 5 billion XRP going to them after this case is over. I would love to see that as an American. Now, this guy comes back at me, trying, trying to get smart. I'm glad you like to talk about solutions to fix them. XRP isn't one of them and never will be. Okay, thanks for sharing your opinion. XRP has no inherent value and any you own, you are simply speculating on that you'll make some money. And if you want someone to pay for your gambling and, and you want someone to pay for your gambling if you lose, he's suggesting that if I lose on my XRP speculation investment, that I want somebody to pay for that. Now, for many of these guys, they don't even know who I am. They don't even understand that I run two businesses that are very successful and that I will create generational wealth for my family and get the job done regardless of what happens with XRP. Okay. So, so let's just get that straight. Thank you. And, and it's a pleasure to meet you. And I'm glad to, you know, get you caught up to speed on why I'm trying to save this country, where I come from. So I respond to this guy and I say, why are you running a node? 
He says to learn and understand the XRP ledger and XRP and to be able to interact with it at command level, assist with decentralization, support the many projects being built on it, assist me with learning a new operating system, assist with uh, research, support any XRP I hold. Why do you run yours? So he comes at me, you know, why don't you run a node? And then uh, he says, you haven't answered yet, Zach. Two questions. I answered yours. Perhaps you could answer mine. I said, okay, yeah, finally get around to this. I said, number one. So his first question was, um, and you want someone to pay for your gambling if you lose. So he thinks that I want somebody to bail me out if I don't make profit on XRP. So I respond, I say, first off, I am still in profit. But if I quote unquote lose while speculating on XRP, I will let you know. Okay, let's let it play out. I'll let you know how my investment does. Okay, number two, I don't run a node yet. I currently educate people worldwide on current events and a transfer of wealth that is underway. XRP has a lot of potential and I appreciate your contribution. Now, he replies, he says, thanks for answering. I'm interested to learn as you're an educator, on what basis do you think XRP has any inherent value given your ownership of it for speculation and in particular, any buyback value and why could, should there be? Please educate me. I'm keen to learn. So this guy's really, you know, pressing me on this. That's just fine. I haven't responded yet. So let me publicly respond right here. He says, I'm interested to learn as you're an educator on what basis do you think XRP has any inherent value? Well, I continue to see uh, banks, financial institutions like Tranglo when they did their S4 filing for the SEC, they said that they were ready to use XRP for a competitive advantage. We have Bank of America saying that they're ready to use XRP for a competitive advantage. We see 400 banks and financial institutions partnering up with Ripple, about 25% of them starting to use XRP on-demand liquidity. So it seems that, uh, yeah, there might not be any inherent value in XRP itself uh, at the very beginning, right? But obviously the value's coming to the ledger. It wasn't born with value necessarily uh, from the get-go, but there's a reason why people are holding it uh, for treasury flows. There's a reason why they're using it for payments. And there's a reason why people are choosing to add value to this ledger. It's because it's efficient, it works, it scales, and it's uh, had no downtime in about 10 years, right? And Ripple, basically, as I stated in the earlier video from Brad Goinghouse, they focused on payments, they focused on that utility first. Now the rest of the space gets to bring utility, which as he says here, given your ownership of it for speculation, well, that's your assumption. That's you saying that I'm holding XRP for speculation. Maybe I'm holding XRP because I want to move my businesses to the XRP ledger. I have future plans to use my XRP for utility. I have future plans to use my XRP for liquidity. Maybe I'm not just speculating on it. Now, I'll be honest. Yeah, I am speculating. I do plan on selling a little bit of XRP on the way up. But 90% of my XRP, I plan on holding forever for my own utility use cases, which I don't know what all those are going to be. And as I said, as you guys know, I'm not a developer. I'm not a tech guy. That's why I don't run a node yet. When it comes to that time to move my businesses onto it, I will hire a developer. That's, that's what I do when, when you run businesses. These guys just think that we just sit and hold our XRP and 50,000 buyback till our grave. No, that's not our plan. XRP is just part of our strategy for building generational wealth. But this guy's just saying and asserting that I'm only holding XRP for speculation, right? That's not the case. 
you know, 10% of my XRP bag, I do plan on selling off along the way. 90% is being held for utility. So 10% of my bag I'm speculating on. You could say that. That's a fair assertion to make. And in particular, any buyback value and why could, should there be? So as I've already stated in this live stream, I'm not going to beat this up. We're trying to solve a debt, currency, and liquidity crisis, my friend. Now, there's a particular issue here in the United States. We have $30 trillion in debt. We have over $100 trillion in unfunded liabilities. You're from New Zealand. Maybe you don't understand all of the situations that are taking place. You don't understand the balance sheet of the United States. But that, that's why we're having this conversation as Americans. We're trying to fix our country. Maybe you guys are just fine in New Zealand. Good luck and God bless to you. I, I, I hope that's the case. I want everyone to be able to take the power back from the central bank entities that have hijacked countries across this planet. The Western banking world and the, and the, the, the tentacles of that entity have stolen the value of people across this planet, not just the United States. So will there be a buyback? I don't know. We'll see. As an American, as I stated, I would love to see my Treasury Department acquire some XRP. I don't care for them to buy back my XRP. Go cut a deal with Ripple. I want to hold my XRP. And I want to be very clear, guys. There is no way that I'm signing any sort of deal. $50,000 buyback, uh, $10,000 buyback, um, buyback paid in gold, buyback paid in whatever. There is no way that I'm signing anything unless I really feel like it'll be worth it. You guys know how valuable I think this asset is. The, the, the inherent value, the value that XRP was born with uh, out of thin air, it was created by three guys, Jed McCaleb, Arthur Brito, and David Schwartz, right? You know, you could say they had no inherent value at the start, but there's a reason why we're getting tokenized real estate, we're getting NFTs, we're getting a, a lot of money, a lot of value coming onto this ledger. There's a reason why Ripple continues to be the leader in this space with banks and financial institutions solving payment problems valued in the trillions. So it, it's about moving the value. That's why we have invested in XRP, not just for speculation, when we need to go move uh, value. When we have different use cases and utility that we need, that's why, why we keep our little stash of XRP. I will never sell all of it. I'm not going to give it up in some buyback proposal unless it's it, it's going to suffice. I mean, the deal has to be very juicy, very sweet. And as an American, we're bust, my friend. And the reason why we're having this conversation is so that the common man or woman that hears my voice taps into our live streams, doesn't get left behind, isn't on the losing side of the greatest transfer of wealth in world history. So the, to the little developer minds that can't get tapped in on why we're in the middle of a legal political battle that we're speaking on, this is why. Now, we're not going to be able to get everyone, and that's fine. And, and it's not about, I want everyone to support the buyback committee. That's not what it's about. I want, if anybody's coming at me, to put your big boy pants on and come and pull up to the table and have an adult conversation. been interesting to watch now thank you guys i do appreciate everyone for tuning in tonight let me take a little bit of q a we went long on this session but let me take a few moments i got a little bit left of my 
adult beverage here to sip on. So let's enjoy this. Let's take some Q&A. As you can tell, you know, I'm getting attacked from left and right right now. We got we got some ongoing drama, but we're going to continue to push through because we have clarity on what we've invested in. Fundamentally, we understand Techn te technical analysis tells us that we could get short-term moves to the downside. We're prepared cash on the sidelines, right? But like I said, our program gives us generational wealth with or without XRP. And as I've always said, we're 50% wrong. It's a generational wealth opportunity. We're 90% wrong about XRP and everything that we believe in, all the theories, it's still a life-changing opportunity, okay? And nonetheless, you know, if we're mostly wrong about XRP, it's still a fantastic distributed ledger technology to use for our own use cases and utility. Thank you for tuning in, guys. If you haven't already, please do me a favor and smash that thumbs up. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Greatest Transfer of Wealth with your host, Zach Rector. Please remember to follow us over on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Rumble. To get in touch, please just head on over to ZachRector.com. You can check out all of our affiliate links and get access to our exclusive Discord community over at the website. We appreciate all of you for tuning in, and all that we ask is that you share this message with other like-minded individuals. If you appreciate the show, feel free to go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We will see you in the next one. Take care and God bless.